You are now listening to the Nick's State of Mind podcast, presented by Elite Sports Radio. And now, your hosts, Chip Murphy and Matt Castillo. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Nick's State of Mind podcast. I'm Matt Castillo with Chip Murphy, and I hope everybody enjoyed their Christmas. Uh, the Nick's ruined Christmas for me, just like I said they would. Just put me in a bad mood. And that's what we're going to start off with, just breaking down that game. Because, uh, I mean, let's face it, there's a lot to vent about from that loss to the 76ers on Christmas Day. And, Chip, we'll start with you and your reaction and let you get a little bit of your frustration uh, off your chest about the way the Knicks played and just the breakdown of the game overall. Yeah, I was frustrated by the fact that Kristaps uh, Porzingis was playing because he should not have been put. By the end of that game, it was very – or not by the end, but at the end of the game, I was frustrated at the fact that he was playing. It was very clear right away that he should not be playing. Um, you know, he was 6-19. and 19. Uh, He missed five free throws, uh, finished with 22 points. Um, my overall frustration is just – Christos Porzingis should not be playing right now. It's pretty clear. And if he's that hurt and, you know, Ines Cantor has the game of his life, 31 points, 22 rebounds. If that happens and, you know, Courtney Lee scores 20 points. <laughs> if you get 51 points from Cantor and Lee and you still lose, yeah. then you're kind of in trouble. I mean, and then, you know, Michael Beasley kind of came back to earth. You know, he played 23 minutes, and he only had 10 points on, on 12 shots. So, Beasley, you know, we love Michael Beasley. We love watching him. But those games that he, where he explodes, there's a reason that those are going to happen once every, you know, like 10 times out. <laughs> you know, he's, he's more of the 10-point-per-game, uh, 12-point-per-game player than the 25-point-per-game player. Exactly. Um, but, uh, you know, it's another thing that I took away from it is it's uh, going to be hard to keep Jarrett Jack in the starting lineup because I like the fact that he had seven assists, but the fact that he played 20 minutes, he's in the starting lineup, and he put up uh, zero points on 0 of 5 shooting. Um, it's, it's hard to keep that guy in the starting line. I know Frank finished the game anyway, and Frank played more minutes, and that's, a lot of people are going to say that, but, uh, it might just be time now to get Frank, uh, as many minutes with the starters as possible. And by starters, I mean Porzingis and Lee and Cantor, because, uh, Hardaway's obviously still hurt. We'll talk about that later. But, yeah, those are the main things I took away from it. And uh, just pretty much the Porzingis thing, he's clearly the, – the main thing I took away from it is that Porzingis is still hurt yeah. and should not be playing right now. You know, this was a very frustrating loss. 
It's a game that you feel like you should win. You're at home. You're playing great at home all season. They just simply they stunk. They, and really, mm-hmm. their starters didn't play terrible. I know Brzingis wasn't the most efficient. Uh, 6-19 shooting, like you said. But I think the story here was just how bad the bench was. Nobody on the bench did anything. Anytime the starters were in the game, that's when it was close. It kind of went back and forth. When we had to go to the bench, I feel like that's when the game was lost. That's when Philadelphia simply just outplayed us. You know, There are other contributing factors. I mean, the Knicks shot 64% from the free throw line, just 18 to 28. 26% from downtown, 4-15 shooting, 40% from the field. Turnovers were an issue. They, I, Philadelphia had more turnovers, but I feel like the Knicks had bad turnovers at terrible times. I look at Ron Baker coming into the game off the bench, and I think he airballed by two layups. It, it was pitiful to watch at times. Yeah, Baker looked – Baker, for as good as Baker looks on defense sometimes, he just looks awful on offense. He really does. He goes off balance. Like when he's going for a layup, he doesn't feel for contact, doesn't feel for his defenders, kind of just gets in the lane and flips it up, and it's awful. It was it was embarrassing to see some of the attempts that he was putting up, and I'm a big Ron Baker fan. But you know what? When he deserves to be criticized, like he 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 does in this performance, I'm going to do it. Yeah, he was he was awful. Didn't give the Knicks any production. I think he played about 13 minutes. It just was not a productive night for him at all. And he's not the only one. I mean, as you said, Michael Beasley came down the earth just 10 points. 5 of 12 shooting. Kind of got it going, I feel, a little bit later in the game. You know, early on in the game, I don't think he was as efficient. Again, just stems to the bench when they were out there on the floor. We didn't get anything. It was very tough for the starters because when the starters would come back in, they were playing trying to, they were playing catch-up, basically. It felt like that way the whole day. And we, did, we just did not have a shot when – the team played as bad as they did on the bench. It, you know, I'm trying to find the bench points, but I'm sure by just the eye test, it's no question that we were outplayed by their bench. You know, TJ McConnell came off the bench for him, made a you know, six of eleven shooting, two four from downtown, had fifteen total points, four assists, five rebounds, two steals, a big steal off of uh, Jared Jack towards the end of the game where Jack made one of the most laziest passes I've ever seen, had the ball deflected, and then McConnell takes it down and gets a, a layup out of it. And, and kind of like what you said, Chip, you know, Jared Jack is, I, I think, going down with his production as of late. And, I mean, I, I it's understandable. He's 34 years old. He's having to play a big role for this team. You know, when he was playing as, as good as he was, a few weeks ago, the question was, could he maintain that? And, you know, look, seven assists is still very productive. But I just think he's playing too big of a role. We don't really have this point guard. We still don't. Franklin Lakina is really not ready. I mean, I, I, I like his his aggressiveness, his, his confidence. You know, he's not a good shooter. Uh, I put this on Twitter on the next state of mind page that he, I cringe when he shoots and somebody said, Oh, it's not too bad. You know, he's shooting this percentage, blah, blah, blah. 
And, you know, look, he's out there. He's confident enough to shoot the ball, which is great. But he has a long way to go when it comes with his offensive game. Is he the answer at point guard? I don't think so. Not right now. I don't think he, he's really going to run the ship. And again, this is what we talked about early on in the season, that when things are going wrong, you need a point guard to kind of bring you, the offense back. Right now, we're not getting that production. Uh, Jared Jack, I think, is doing the best job that he can, but he's 34 years old. You can't he, – he, a spot starter, a guy that can play off the bench, I, that's what he should be doing right now. We have him – because we don't have anybody else. He's playing a big, huge role for the Knicks, doing more than what he probably can do, and it's hard to maintain the hot play that he had early on. You know, And then we get to Enos Cantor. I felt like he was the only guy that showed up. What else is new sometimes with him? I mean, when the rest of the team kind of looks like they're sleepwalking, Enos Cantor is the guy that is there to battle. I, I said today on the our radio show that Nick's doing to make sure that this guy remains a Nick for the rest of his career. Uh, he's just a – I can live with the terrible defense. I really can. And you know what? I felt like he played pretty decent defense on, on Embiid throughout the game. Really battled him. I think Embiid after the game had nice things to say about Cantor, about how he just he's a warrior down on the post. He battles. So somebody who's not known for his defense certainly gave – Embiid, a, a nice you know, fight. It wasn't easy for Embiid. He had 25 points, shot pretty efficiently, but Embiid had to work for his 25 points So and his 16 rebounds. Um, but again, this was just a, a really frustrating game all day. It's just one of those games that you feel like we should have won, but yet we're on the losing end of it. And there's going to be some games like this. I understand that. I understand that there's going to be some stretches where we don't look as great. Uh, the bench is not going to be as productive. But I just feel like the main thing is, even with the bad free throw shooting, as I mentioned, you know, we lose this game by seven points. We make all those ten free throws that we miss. Obviously, we win. We don't turn it over late in the game. Um, and if the bench gave more production. Because our starters would leave and we would either be tied or up by a few points and – Bench came in, that was it. Philadelphia was able to just jump right back out to the lead, and it was it was very frustrating, very frustrating. Um, you know, talking to some fans, they they it, it was just one of those games that's not fun. Um, you know, and it's a little concerning for me. And this is a topic that I'm planning to do um, in, a, in another episode. Something we kind of talked about before, but is this kind of the wall the Knicks hit? where things start to turn around negatively for us. It certainly can be. Um, I'll save that. And uh, that's basically all I got on this game. I, I was just very, very disappointed that we lost the way that we did. I felt like it was a winnable game. And I, I'm sorry. I don't think Philadelphia was a better team than us. I think we just played like crap. Chip, would you agree with that? Do you think the Knicks are the better team than Philadelphia, who might be making some noise with the talent they got? But – I feel like Knicks should beat the Philadelphia 76ers. Would you agree with that? I think they definitely should have won that game at home. I think Philly gave them every opportunity to. I think one thing we should bring up is the three-point shot, too. Mm -hmm. The Knicks only made four threes on Christmas, and they only took 15. That was a big difference. You know, the Sixers took 29 and made 10. So, 
And J.J. Reddick, of course, made four of those. He's, they got a sharpshooter there. But uh, the Knicks are last in the league in three-point makes and last in the league in three-point attempts. So if in a league that's so predicated on being successful with the three-point shot, it's hard to be a successful team like that. I mean, uh, the Knicks made four threes, and Courtney Lee made two of them. But uh, uh, Porzingis is seriously cutting down on the threes he's taking this year, which we've been happy with. We don't want him spending so much time on the perimeter. But if you take away his perimeter game, uh, then you only have Lee and McDermott, and you don't really have much else uh, from three-point range. And uh, Lee is taking more two-point shots than he ever has in his career. So, yeah, that's that's something that we should focus on, I think, the yep. fact that the Knicks are being outshot from three-point range in every single game. It, it's something that's going to be a problem because, yeah, the Sixers made six more threes in this game than the Knicks did, and that was a big difference. That and the free throw shooting, of yep. course. That was yeah, and I think one of the reasons was the three-pointers is what – what we're going to talk about in our next segment. So it's a good way to kind of end this segment. Um, you know, and when we come back from the break, one of the reasons why the three-point shooting could be struggling is Tim Hardaway Jr. being out, big part of yep. his game. Um, we have an update from his injury, and really we can discuss how, how much longer can the Knicks hold on without him. So we'll get into that in just a moment. Hi everybody, Matt Castillo here, writer at EliteSports.com and co-host of the Next State of Mind podcast. Just wanted to take this time to thank the fans and remind listeners to follow our social media pages. You can find us on Twitter at NYKSOM Podcast or on our Facebook page at the Next State of Mind podcast. Come be a part of the discussion. We want to hear from you and talk about the Knicks. Welcome back to the Next State of Mind podcast. And uh, we, we mentioned it right before the break, the... The Knicks are struggling three-point shooting. We saw it on Christmas Day, just 4 of 15. Uh, as Chip said, the Knicks, uh, or Przingis, is not shooting as many threes, which in a way is good. But right now with no Tim Hardaway Jr., there's not a lot of guys that can knock down the three ball. It's really Courtney Lee and, and McDermott. Those are our biggest three-point threats. And this is a, a day and age where the three-point shot is, is very important. Uh, so when you take away a shooter like that, the, the Knicks suffer from their three-point shooting. And, and that's Tim Hardaway Jr. We have an update on him today. Um, he hasn't been in a boot uh, the last couple of practices or shoot-arounds or, or why he's on the bench um, recovering from the injury. But the doctors haven't cleared him yet. Uh, Jeff Hornacek, I saw, was quoted saying that he expects him to be back at some point in the next couple of weeks. So we're going to go at least a few more games without him. And first off, Chip, let's start with just the the impact of having Tim Hardaway Jr. not on the floor in the terms of our three-point shooting. And also, for the second part of it, how much longer can the Knicks hold on without him? I mean, he's 17 points a game, and I felt – for a little bit, the Knicks are certainly were able to withstand it, but a long period of time is certainly tough when you're not getting any consistent play from really anybody on the bench. You know, Beasley up and down. So, how big of an impact is it 
And how much longer can the Knicks hang on with that? Well, it's a huge impact. I mean, like I just said, uh, the the three-point shot is so huge in today's game, and that's one of Hardaway's – that's one of the reasons they brought Hardaway in was for his three-point shooting. And I'm not sure uh, – They've been able to tread water in Hardaway's absence uh, so far. You know, he's missed 13 games, and they've gone 7-6. and six. But it's really, the Knicks are about to go through a tough stretch. Uh, I think 17 of their next 20 games are on the road, yep. 16 or 17, something like that. I think it's 17. Uh, because they've had so many uh, uh, home games early on. Yeah. And so it's it's about to be a really tough stretch for them. And if they go through all 20 of those games without him, I think that would be a disaster because we know how terrible a road team they've been. And, yeah, his him not being there, uh, eventually that's going to catch up to them because uh, role player, as we've said on the show before, role players always play better at home. So uh, on the road, Doug McDermott isn't going to have those Madison Square Garden fans pumping him up. You know, Michael Beasley isn't going to have those Madison Square Garden fans chanting MVP. You know, so I don't think Michael Beasley is going to have any 30-point games on the road. And, uh, yeah, so the longer Tim Hardaway Jr. is out, the more likely it is that uh, that things could get bad. But... Uh, today, look, I think it's good news that uh, they said there's consistent progress, but the fact that it's still unclear when he will return to the court, I don't know if that's a good thing, but uh, I think, I, I assume he'll still be back like in early January when they announced uh, initially that he would be back, or uh, he's been out for since December 3rd, so... I think he'll be back sometime in early January, or hope, anyway. Yeah, I don't know how much longer we can withstand not having him on the on the court. You know, a few weeks ago when we talked about the absence of Tim Hardaway Jr., we talked about it's going to have to be a collective group of players stepping up to fill the void. Some games it's there, some games it's not. And when it gets more prolonged, the more time that he misses, because it's going on about a month now, um, when he misses this time, in a prolonged period of time, it makes it harder for these role players to fill that gap. You might be able to withstand it for a few weeks. To be, If Tim Hardaway Jr. was returning tonight, as you shared with us, seven and six. That's not the end of the world if he was returning right now. But he's still a few weeks away. There's still quite a few games. This is a critical stretch for the Knicks. And the question is, can these guys step up on the road? Because most of these games are going to be on the road. And, you know, that's one thing I, I, I'm looking at and I'm seeing is I'm starting to see it. Like, we, we do need Tim Hardaway Jr. on the floor. You know, when there's nights that Przingis maybe not be the most efficient shooter or when somebody on the bench is not having a great night, you, you have a little bit deeper of an option where you don't have to sub in five subs 
at a time. You you have different starters you can keep on the floor. When you're losing Hardaway Jr., you're, you're sometimes having to put in more subs at a certain time than you normally typically would want to. Sometimes you can keep about two starters on the floor with three bench players and kind of mix and match. Uh, but with the way the Knicks right now are working, there's several times that you see a, a five bench unit out on the floor, and that's putting a lot on the bench. Can they answer the bell? And sometimes some players are able to, like uh, the game against the Boston Celtics. The starters didn't win that game. It was not the starters. It was the bench. They were outstanding against that. Michael Beasley was outstanding. But you can see when you have to rely on your bench, it's not always going to be there. You know, The Knicks don't have the kind of guys like, example, the Golden State Warriors, they got a deep bench. They can win a lot of games from their bench. You know, They have superstars. Uh, right now, Stephen Curry is not playing, but it's, they have other superstars that fill that void. But it's more than you know, just their starters having to do the, the work. They're getting great production from a great bench. The Knicks don't have that kind of bench. We have players on the bench that can help. But is it going to be there consistently? And I think that's what we're seeing. It's not. It's up and it's down. That's, I, I think, a huge impact of losing at Tim Hardaway Jr., because again, I think it kind of hurts the rotation, and I'm just I'm ready to get him back, Chip. Uh, just to be honest, because you know, early on was he good? No, his first few games of the year were awful, and it was like, oh my goodness, we paid this guy a lot of money, and we're still paying him a lot of money regardless. Which everybody knows how we feel about how much money he makes. But with that being said, he's he, he's one of our key guys. He's. I would think probably the second option on the team. You have Przingis, and then I think it's Tim Hardaway Jr. And then you can maybe argue that it's Cantor or, or Courtney Lee, but we're missing that guy for a prolonged period of time. I, I can't help but think, you know, is that game a little bit differently? Those close games that the Knicks seem to be falling lately, would they be different if, if Tim Hardaway Jr. was on the floor? I'm not going to say all of them. But I, I certainly feel at least some would be different. And, and when again, when we're going over a month, it's going to be over a month that he, he's last played a game. And you got to keep in mind, Chip, when he, when he comes back, I'm sure there's going to be some rust. And he hasn't played a game since November 29th. It's, it, so it's a, it's a little – it's – even when he's back, it's a great thing, but I'm sure you're going to still have to have a few games where he's just trying to find his rhythm, maybe even find his conditioning even. Um, it's not going to just come back and click for him, I, I don't believe. So we still have a prolonged period of time of having a bench have to provide production or, or somebody fill in the void. I think Porzingis hasn't been shooting very efficiently. Perhaps that's because Tim Hardaway Jr. hasn't been on the floor. Because he's the defense is paying even more focus to him because they know they can because the second best score is not on the floor. So it's I look at these three point numbers. Look, the Knicks are not a, a terrific three point shooting team, but they're certainly better than four or fifteen. Just without Tim Hardaway Jr., they're not. They're, they're simply just not. Now I don't want Przingis to feel like he needs to jack up five or six just because. 
that's not that's not really going to work for us. Um, but the bottom line is we we are certainly missing Tim Hardaway Jr. at the moment, and hopefully, like you said, Chip, it, it's in a few weeks, maybe the middle of January, because I don't think we can take another like towards the end of January without him. We we need him back on the floor. Obviously, you don't want to rush him. You don't want it to uh, become more of a problem. You want to make sure he's 100%. But I think at this critical stretch, Tim Hardaway Jr. is certainly needed. And until the meantime, we need somebody to play more consistently. And I think it's more off the bench. When the, when Jeff Hornacek goes to the bench, we need these guys to – they don't have to do what they did against Boston every night. They could – just keep the game close. Let the starters have a chance to win. Against Philadelphia, that wasn't the case. It was not there. They, they simply put us in a hole. Against the Celtics, they won it for us. I just want them to be consistent, not up and down, and I think that would be the key moving forward. But with that being said, we are going to wrap up this segment. When we come back, we are going to um, you know, preview the Knicks and the Bulls matchup. Uh, the, the Bulls have been playing really good, Chip. you got some numbers um, of how well the Bulls have been playing since Mirchik has been uh, back into the lineup for them. Yeah, apparently he's a completely different player. Exactly. Punched in the face. Yeah, that woke <laughs> him up apparently. Uh, so we'll get into that in just a moment. Hi, everybody. This is Chip Murphy, co-host of the Knicks State of Mind podcast and boss of all New York Knicks content at EliteSportsNY.com. To follow my work, you can find me on Twitter at, at Chipper Murphy. Welcome back to the Next State of Mind podcast. We are going to wrap up the show with a little preview of the Knicks and Bulls game uh, coming up tonight. Chicago has been playing really good as of late. Uh, they get Mirchik back in the lineup after being punched in the face early on in like, training camp by uh, Portis. Uh, Clinton Portis, is that his first name? Believe it is. the football player. No, yeah. I, I'm drawing a blank on what his first name is. Portis. We're going with Portis. Uh, Bobby. That's, Bobby. Bob, Bobby. Aha. Yes. Aha. See, when they don't, when they're not very important to me, I don't, I don't remember names. I don't do it. Um, Bobby Portis punched him in the face, broke his jaw. Big, big thing. Um, but, Chip, you got some numbers to tell us how good Chicago has actually been since the return of Mirchik. Yeah, they were 3-20 and without him. And since he's come back, they're 8-2. and uh, Incredible. I mean, he's averaging 18.5 points, 7.6 rebounds, and he's shooting 50% from the field and 48% from three. I mean, that's just crazy. I mean, this is a guy who, for... So people who don't know, he's a career 11-point-per-game scorer, and he's a career 41% shooter from the field and 35% shooter from three-point range. So, uh, again, small sample size of 10 games, but this is a Bulls team that has already – this game is in Chicago, and this is a Bulls team that beat the Knicks already back in on December 9th without Nikola Mirotic. So – this game is definitely very losable for the Knicks. Um, and especially, as we were talking about with that Tim Hardaway, the Knicks won't have Tim Hardaway. And 
Uh, the Knicks did, however, make a lineup change. Uh, it was just announced. Uh, Doug McDermott is going to be starting ahead of uh, uh, Lance Thomas will come off the bench. He has been starting recently. But uh, it looks like uh, it's a matchup thing, apparently. According to Twitter, it's a matchup thing. Yeah. Lance, uh, Lance can defend uh, Miritich very well, and uh, Miritich comes off the bench. So I guess they'll use. Lance to try and defend the hot hand of Nikola Miritich. I mean, Miritich just scored 24 against the uh, Bucks last night, so uh, he is red hot. Um, yeah, uh, but uh, I expect it to be a, a tough game. Any game for the Knicks on the road is a tough one, and this is on the road, and the Bulls are red hot, and Miritich is red hot, and their point guard, Chris Dunn, is playing really well. Yep. And he's young, so he's going to be a problem for Derek Jack. Um, yeah, it's it's going to be a tough game. And the Bulls were supposed to be losing on purpose. So this was supposed to be an easy game. <laughs> yeah, I feel like all these teams that are supposed to be losing are, are trying to go for it because the East sucks. It's so bad. Yes. You know what I mean? Yeah. So all these teams that are like normally like, all right, we're not doing anything, whatever – actually have a chance to compete for a playoff spot because there's only four or five good teams out in the East, and then it's wide open from there. There's about three spots that can be taken. So all these teams are still in it. Uh, and sometimes, when, like the Bulls, they're very young. When you're young, you're stupid. You don't realize you're not supposed to be there. You're going to compete. I guess the same thing can even be said about the Knicks. They're young. They don't know better. They're going to try to compete for a playoff spot, even if it is that eighth seed. And, you know, I look at Miracic's last performance against the Knicks. He played 20 minutes off the bench, 6 of 10 from the field, 5 of 8 from the three-point line, and dropped 19 points. The Knicks struggle defending the three-point shot they've had over the last few years. Once again, I think they are give up the most threes or the highest percentage of threes for opponents. They're a team that simply just cannot guard out around the perimeter. It's a favorable matchup for, for Miracic. Should have open looks. And, and look, I think, you know, if, if it's him coming off the bench and they're trying to mas- match him up with Lance Thomas or something, he better not leave his side. He's going to have to uh, – they, they're gonna, the Knicks are going to have to keep a focus on him all, all night or it could be a long day for us. They can't just give him open – Three-pointers. He would make us pay. As you mentioned, you shared his stats. He's having a career year. A guy that's averaging – how many points you said this season? Um, let me bring that back up. I think it was uh, 17 and a half. 18 and a half. 18 and a half. And he's uh, got an 11-point guy for his career. Uh, yeah. When he's playing with this much confidence right now, perhaps – you know, that whole situation with uh, Bobby Portis punching him in the face and, and breaking his jaw and supposedly he wants to be traded, doesn't want to be teammates with Portis. Even though while they're on the court together, they, for the team's sake, they show, I guess, uh, teamwork, I guess, you know, the team, uh, you know, camaraderie and, and uh, togetherness. They try to do it, but outside of basketball, they don't really speak. Um, that's, but, a lot of the reports are saying, and Miritrick wants to be traded. So sometimes when you want to be traded, the best way to get value out of yourself is by playing at the high level that he is. And, you know, the last time we played 
Chicago is one of those losses where you're scratching your head like, how in the world did we just lose? So and this is another game that, yeah, Chip, you're right. You feel like the Knicks should be able to win. But I think if they're going to do that, their bench is going to have to play a whole lot better than they did uh, on Christmas Day. I can tell you that much right now. And, you know, we better hit our free throws and defend the three. If we do that, we should be all right. I have a feeling this is going to be a pretty close game. The Knicks are really not blowing anybody out as of late. Um, It should go back and forth, in my opinion. But if you ask me, I feel like the Knicks are the better team and should find a way to win this game. Um, so with that being said, give you a, a prediction for tonight's game. And again, obviously this game will be played by the time you guys hear it, but it's always nice to kind of go back and see were, these, were they correct? Were their predictions correct? I think it's going to be a fairly close game. I think the Knicks win at 106 to 103. That's my prediction. So Chip, what you got? Oh, that's a good one. That's about what I was going to say too. I was going to say the the Knicks score 104. I don't think the Bulls will get. Uh, I don't think the Bulls will get to 100. Though. I'm going to say Knicks 104, Bulls 95. Okay, so you see the Knicks winning a little bit more comfortably. Um, yeah, I think I think they take this one because uh, there's just I, I don't know. I have a good feeling about this one. I I don't think they'll lose to. A team that they're so, like you said, the Knicks are a better team. Yeah. So I don't think they're going to lose to this team twice on the road. They shouldn't. When they're when they're so significantly well, not significantly when they're just better than them. Yeah. You know they've already lost to them once. They don't want to get embarrassed. They're just going to be they're going to be hyped up for this game. You know. I hope so. I hope it's I hope it's more closer to the score that you're saying where we can kind of have one of those games where we say, oh, yeah, we have this, no no question about it. I mean, professional teams make runs, so they might look like they're in it, but not really. Um, but I, I just see kind of a – if the Knicks bench plays better than what they did, if the starters play like they did on Christmas and the bench is there, then it shouldn't even be a game, to be honest. Um, but it seems like right now it's one game the starters aren't doing anything and the benches, and then the next game it's the starters and the bench aren't. They haven't really met, and that's why we're seeing a lot of these close games uh, down. You know, the final few minutes, some of these games are coming down to. Um, so it should be a game the Knicks win, um, but you know we'll, we'll see. Uh, the Bulls are playing much better, and we struggle defending the three ball. They have some shooters. Not only uh, Mirchik, but Markkinen is a terrific shooter. Uh, didn't have the greatest efficient game the, the last time we played them. Uh, but should be a fun one. That game is getting ready to tip off. And with that being said, we are going to wrap up the show today. And we'll be back next week for another episode of the Next State of Mind podcast.